0: Good and welcome to HR Tech Executives Conversations. Today we're going to be talking to my beloved co-host from HR Tech weekly Stacey Harris, about her new work at Sapient Insights Group. How are you, Stacy?
1: I'm doing well, John. It's nice to actually get a chance to chat with you outside of Thursday morning. This is, this is this is a good opportunity have a have a conversation. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm I'm excited to talk about something other than what's going on in HR tech just individually. So, nice, thank you.
0: So so I think most of the people here will recognize your voice. I wonder if you would though take a um, um moment to introduce yourself and uh uh, tell the story of how you got here. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: It's it's a bit of a long story. Um, so I am currently the chief research officer for Sapient Insights Group, um, and uh, we've had the organization now for not quite a full month it'll be going on, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I'm a managing partner at Sapient Insights Group, which is my first foray into um, uh, managing uh, my own company with partners, of course, Um, which is exciting, but it's been a long journey to get here. Um, Before I started um, at Sapient Insights Group, many people probably knew me as the VP of Research for Sierra Cedars Annual HR System Survey Research, Um, and we had been doing that research for over 23 years, and I was running that it for about six years, Um, and uh, and we brought that research with us to Sapient Insights Group, which is exciting, and I can talk a little bit more about that. Um, but before I was in research, and, you know, I, I was at Brandon Hall Group for a couple of years, and, and I was with Josh Burson in the early years, I um, was a practitioner. Like a lot of the um, people who respond to my research and surveys these days, I started out as um, an instructional designer. Uh, that was my degree was actually instructional design and library science, and then um, moved into organizational effectiveness. Um, for organizations like KeyBank and Joanne Fabrics. People might know them if they uh, get to do a lot of crafting. Um, And uh, uh, went into um, managing large organizational functions for organizations and and doing big implementations of technology. Um, And and that's where I got the opportunity first to learn about what research could do inside of an organization and how it could help organizations make changes. Um, And uh, Josh Burson um, was actually one of the research functions his work was one of the richest that I've been using, and um, one of his sales professionals who had worked with me a great deal. When I got laid off at Joanne Fabrics during the last downturn, 2008, um, when you know the whole market seemed to be sort of going haywire, he called me up and he goes, "Hey, there's this small little company. It's, it's, it's a bit of a leap of a faith. Would you be interested in, you know, doing consulting with a company called Burson and Associates?" Um, and I was the 13th employee there, and that started my work as a researcher. So it's been a little bit of a bumpy road getting here, but I, I love the work that I do. I've been very, very lucky
0: and blessed to do it. So. So, so you didn't begin your life thinking you wanted to be a researcher. How did you discover that this is something that you like?
1: Um, You know, yeah, it was, it was funny. Um, I began, you know, actually, what I, what I first went to school for, my undergraduate degree, was in radio and television and journalism. Um, so I, um, just as far back as I can remember, back when I was a little girl, um, always wanted to be a writer and particularly a journalist. I, I, I was going to be the next Lois Lane, you know, Superman was my favorite hero. Um, and so I think, you know, every step I took in my career tended to take me closer towards something that would involve writing or something that would involve um, asking, you know, really hard questions. Everything I did seemed to sort of go in that direction. And then, you know, when I was at Burson Associates, I first started out running the consulting function there, so I wasn't even in research. But I really love the idea of making decisions with a little bit more data and insight behind you. And, and maybe that's because I'm, I'm kind of in an analytical mind. But um, I I found that when I was making big decisions inside of companies, there was so much emotion involved in whether you liked a product or whether my CEO had been on a boat trip with, you know, the guy who ran a company and now he, his brother-in-law was pitching us a new product. Right. Um, and it was really hard to counteract those kind of relationship and emotional decisions with anything but data. Um, but when I had data, I was able to sort of make a business case and build out a business um model for, for why we should maybe do something a little bit different. And so for me, once I got into consulting, um, I was just drawn to the really difficult questions that required data to make them. So that's how I got into research. And I was really excited when I got a chance to start doing the research
0: itself. So, so then, then, then you, I don't know, I guess it's five years ago or so, you started um, shepherding this amazing piece of research, which is the Sierra Cedar annual survey of HR technology Um, that also was kind of a leap Um, and and so talk about how it was to to step in, that used to be run by Lexi Martin who did a fabulous job setting things up and organizing it what was it like to step into somebody else's shoes and um, um, learn how to do what they did and then learn how to um, take it to the next level
1: yeah, that was actually really hard because I had, I mean, doing research with Josh um, had had been amazing, and I had learned from Karen Leonard, who worked with Josh, and she was um, his uh, really ran the research function for a long time over at & Associates, and she had come from um, Apple and Google and had an amazing background. But the research there was much more, you know, ask 36, you know, no more than 36 questions, and focus on quick, you know, um, data points that you could then sort of turn into a small report. Um, Lexi's approach was a really different um, uh, conversation. She was really assessing sort of an entire sort of area of um, application and technology inside of an organization, the entire HR function. And she was asking a lot of deeper questions, things that, you know, oftentimes didn't get asked inside of a lot of the smaller surveys, right? Like she was asking things about resources and budgeting and, you know, um, you know, how long things took and, and having been in consulting for a while, and having been a practitioner, I realized that the stuff she was actually getting to was more than sound bites, and and not that you know all research is good. Every every piece of research has its own value, but but she was getting to the stuff that I would have needed to make the business case for making change. Um, so I was I was a bit scared when I took over because I had a lot of long conversations with Lexi about how do you get enough people to answer the kind of questions that she included on her research and how do we keep it fresh and what I I came to realize over time is that not only was I um being you know honored with given a a very long-standing sort of piece of research and all the um, data that went along with it I was also sort of being given a community of practitioners who followed the research and participated year over year and it, what I learned from the community, and they taught me more than anybody, is that they were so excited about about sort of just thinking more broadly about their HR technology environment. We added a question this year that asked why do you why do you take the, the survey every year, um, particularly for those who had taken it year over year, and you know, at least a quarter of people who have responded to that particular answer have said, because it gives me um, an education that I needed on what's going on in the HR technology space. And so what I what I came to learn is that the survey and the community work hand in hand, and what my job was was to make sure the two were, were working for each other, and that, you know, every question was something that someone could use in a business case, every Uh, response with some sort of feedback that I could give back to the market as a whole or to the vendors. And so once I kind of figured that out, um, I wasn't so much scared as I was trying to figure out how I could continue that in a way, um, you know, you and I have talked about this. In the world that we're in, there's not enough time to take a survey or participate in as many things as you would like to participate in. So you have to make sure there's value at every hour someone spends with anything that you're doing. And so I had to make sure I continued to give back to the community in, in some way. And I think we found that balance. We give back many benchmarks. We we make sure that people who participate get early uh, insights. We make sure people have access to the aggregate data and we'll continue to do that um, if they've been part of the research fund um, effort. So yeah, it, it was scary. Um, I'm, you you got the chance to hear a little bit of it because I was doing the radio show at the time. We, I think we just... It started the radio show maybe about a year before that when I started taking on the um, uh, work with uh, Lexi. And I was uh, anxious, but I, the community was amazing. So,
0: so yeah, it was a great opportunity. Long, it's a long journey. So, so now you're in this new thing called Sapient Insights, Sapient Partner Insights. Tell me the name of yeah. them.
1: It's Sapient Insights Group. We, we, we went back and forth between partner and group, and we decided that group made more sense because we we were going to be building a team. There were partners who had built up the organization, right? It was myself, um, uh, Susan Richards, and uh, Terry Zipper, and Kim Seals, um, four women who I had worked with as customers and clients in previous roles um, who had eventually gone off on their own doing their own consulting work, and we had all sort of – we were at this juxtaposition when we all came together um, at the beginning, really, of the pandemic, where we were sort of looking for what was next and knowing that things were changing, and Sierra Cedar had made the decision that the research, as great as it was, wasn't sort of lending itself to where the organization itself was going, Um and so uh, we got together and we said, well, what would be, you know, a, a really great opportunity would be to bring together the research and the advisory services that um, Susan had started with a company called SteelBridge, and create a new company called Zapi Insights Group. And uh, we we hope to build a really big team, a team of people who are focused on providing data, um, both in the HR and the finance space, to help people make better decisions on people and technology and processes. So, um, but that's a that's a so we're at the beginning of this journey, so it's going to take a little bit to get there all the way.
0: So so, so that was a mouthful. Can you give me, like, two or three short bursts of what are the things that you're going to do?
1: Well, we're going to continue to do the research that we've been doing under Sears Cedar's Brand. That will continue to be under and Insights Group. So you will continue to see the annual HR system survey research. Um, We have started three years ago a finance systems and supply chain research, not quite as big as the HR, but we will continue to do that as well. Um, We will um, provide the aggregate data um, as we have always done, but we will also provide um, some deeper dives into that aggregate data. One of the problems I've had under Cedar is I've got more data than I have hands, Um, and so I haven't been able to make – the, the breakouts by industry, the breakouts by um, product areas, the breakouts by um, you know uh, size and region as accessible. And so we're gonna create a database where people can have access to those uh, type of breakouts um, where they can get some more insights into the data on the areas that are most important to them. Um, we will also be providing services in the area of strategic consulting around Um, HR and finance technology and processes and tools. Um, We will not be um, focusing on implementations, um, and we will not have partners um, like many large organizations do. Our focus will be purely on the strategic side. So when I say research and advisory services, it it really is that. It's a research-driven organization with advisory services that um, support that research and um provide guidance around how that research can be used.
0: So so will you be able to tell me what tools I should use for HR Tech in my company? Is that the kind of advisory you're giving? Yeah, we'll be able to give
1: you the starting point for it. I, I think that the exciting thing about about the team that I that we've put together is that um we're really big on teaching you how to fish, right? Teaching you how to um, not just giving you an answer and saying, you know, here's a black box and it's it's an answer that you should just agree with. We're going to show you the data and the insights and the various options that organizations have, um, and then we'll we'll sort of letting you make the selection based off of those insights, right? Um, and I think that maybe is a little bit different than than what you see in some other organizations is the idea that we're going to sort of give you the data, the tools, and the questions you should be asking, right? And then, you know, kind of guiding you on on, uh, how to make those decisions, which is, is I think, a really important step. Um, A lot of HR professionals I know who are out there, they've got a pretty good handle on where they're at. They just want to make sure that they haven't missed anything or to make sure that they're starting with the right list or to make sure that they're starting – um, with the right set of data. And so that's our, our role, I think, it's going to be for a while. But we're still, we're still building out some of this. So, so um, you know, there might be um, other services that we add over time, um, but that's our primary focus right now.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, so when you look out at the world right now, it's, it's a very interesting time. And um, here you are starting a company. It doesn't exactly look like a typical analyst company. It's something yeah, different yeah, than there. a typical analyst company. But my question is really about what you think about what's going on in the analyst world. You know, for, for, for my money, much of what's going on in the analyst world is breaking because it depended on groups of people being able to travel to companies to have meetings where the entire group of, uh, analyst colleagues were informed and no, company can afford to do that on a one-to-one basis, and the um, um, video stuff doesn't really work very well. And so so, so I'm wondering what happens to the analyst community. And it seems like it might do things like what you're doing, which is convert into um, some analyst function driving a larger advisory service. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're yeah. just a little bit ahead of the trend? <laughs>
1: I can hope i can hope i mean i'm following i think we're following a passion and 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 we're following a need that we're seeing in the market um and uh, um you know there are other analyst firms who I think have consulting as part of them right um i think the big difference that we're going to try and make is that Research comes first. It is that it, it we're not creating research to support the consulting, but that the consulting is actually supporting the research and showing people how to use it. Um, what I think is is happening in the analyst space is. And I think this change was happening before the pandemic, right? You know, it's a mixture of sort of what is an analyst versus what is an influencer. Me and you have had this conversation many times, and I think the market as a whole constantly gets into the conversation of, you know, is an analyst only someone who does research? You know, if they don't do their own research, you know, can you be an analyst if you're sort of focused on sort of gathering up other people's research and sort of sharing it? Um, and is an influencer someone who has a large reach both in brand and and quality of, of sort of contacts and networks and all of those things have value in some sense but I think for 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 one of the biggest challenges is that many of the analysts in the market speak primarily to the vendors right that's their that's that's where they get their information from, that's where they do their conversations with. Even though they might do some data gathering of customers through, you know, interviews or through some data gathering tools that they create out there, um, the vendors are their primary clients. And, and that's a – I think that model might be what's breaking a little bit, is that, you know, the vendors need as much insight and advice as practitioners do. I, I know that sometimes there's sort of that pushback Oh. Well, if you're getting paid by a vendor, can you be, you know, agnostic? And there's a bit of a challenge there without a doubt. But I do think that the vendors themselves are saying, hey, we don't have all the answers either, right? I, you know, there's an opportunity to learn from someone who's a little bit closer, maybe to the practitioners, or there's someone, or maybe someone who's a step away from our company who's not embedded in the, the politics and the culture. And I think that's a lot of what analysts are bringing today to the vendor community is a third party perspective to their world. Um, what I what I do think is is the challenge is that the vendors themselves are changing how they market and how they reach their audience. And we shifted from a relationship-based sale where you kind of knew everybody, it was a handshake and my boss knew somebody else's boss, right? to this influencer type sale over the last sort of five years where if you were known on the internet and you were known as a brand, like if I was able to say this is a good product, you could sort of trust me as a known entity to now what I would say is a highly educated buying audience, particularly in HR, who's asking difficult questions. And now vendors have to respond to those difficult questions because Everybody has a little bit of the same product. So now I have to differentiate myself based off of what I'm uniquely going to do for you. An analyst, is a, their play as far as an influencer in that space is, a, is not quite as important. So I think that's a little bit of what's happening. The pandemic's just kind of set that up.
0: Right? That's interesting. So, so just, just to dig in a little bit more on that, do you think that it's possible to have an objective view on the market?
1: I think every analyst really tries hard, right? They, I, I, I would say that um, there is no doubt that if you spend more time with any one vendor and you see their product more, it makes you a little bit more biased towards whatever that product is, right? Um, so I sure. think part of it comes down to can you spread yourself out enough to see enough products to, to really have a good view of what's happening, Right. Um, and if a particular vendor is paying you to spend more time with them, that's a challenge, right? Um, I also think that, you know, wherever we come from, if, if our background is in product development or our background is a practic- practitioner or our background is as a, um, you know, an engineer inside of companies, right, that also biases a little bit of our thinking. Because if you know how, pro, you know, how coding is really done, you might not pay quite as much attention to the user experience because you know on the back end, there's a lot of wonky stuff in there. And so you're sort of judging that system based off of your programming knowledge. Where someone who was a practitioner background might only be judging it based off of how they see the practitioner could use it, right? And two are, and both of those are valid perceptions, but they're going to be different perspectives on the technology, right? Um, so I think that, Brings a hard um, conversation to the conversation as well. Where where's your background from as well? So, huh, huh.
0: Okay. So so, what does the first year look like? You're you're in this new business. It's a power. It's a it's a consulting supergroup, woman owned, woman dominated. <laughs> What's the first year look like?
1: We are women owned, um, a women partnership. Um, uh, although we are bringing more people into the organization as quickly as possible, and um, we want to have a, as diverse a team as possible as we bring everyone into the team. Um, the first year, I think um, is really figuring out who we are. I know that's probably not the um, I would love to be able to step out and say we're exactly doing these services and exactly doing these. Um, uh, um, offerings for people, and, and we have a series of things. You know, we we're definitely will be able to consult on uh, strategies for HR technology offering. we definitely will be able to provide benchmarking services with our data. We're definitely going to be able to provide some deeper, you know, sort of reports that people might want to license and access to. Um, uh, we'll still be delivering to the participants and to the community the whole aggregate reports. Um, but I think this first year is a little bit of figuring out what's going to be most valuable to the market, right? Um, if I'm real honest, I think that was a little bit of recommendation from you, John, too. So <laughs> to be upfront about it. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out, um, you know, we have an idea of what's important to us. We're passionate about making sure the data is, is, as, um, clean, and valuable as possible to the market. We're passionate about that data, helping people make better decisions. I think we're not sure what all that will lead to from a services perspective. And so we're still working on that a little bit.
0: Got it. Got it. Well, what what the exciting things. So your doors are open. You're ready to do business. Um, If you could imagine your ideal first couple of customers, what would they be?
1: deal first couple of customers. Well, I, you know, I think, you know, we would love to find a a couple of companies who are interested in doing um, some deeper benchmarking. I, I've done benchmarking when I was at CR Cedar, but it was always a little hard because of the relationships they had with individual companies. We're sort of released from some of that. So now we we can um, do, I think, a, a more thorough job in doing benchmarking. And I'd like to see what would, be a value and, and maybe what new data we might need to have to, to provide value and some benchmarking. And I, and I mean benchmarking in the sense of um, your current HR technology environment, what are you looking for as far as moving forward? What What would be the next best step for you and how does that compare to what um, either cohorts in your market um, from peers from your industry or organizations that you would um, think sort of are in a maybe data-driven or or more talent-driven type of approach to their organization that you'd like to sort of um, look at. Um, We're also, I think, very interested in finding um, organizations who would like to leverage the data to um, help them help other organizations. I I know that sounds a little bit um, odd, but Although we're doing consulting, our research and our data is available for other consultants. We don't want to change that in the market. We don't want to limit who can have access to it. And so we're looking for a couple of beta organizations um, who would help us build out our database that other consultants might access. And again, at an aggregate level, we'll never give individual data sets away that they can then help their customers with. Um, and, and probably, you know, we're also looking for, you know, we will be doing some work with vendors, um, but more so on the, on the lines of um, if they're interested in some of the aggregate data around, you know, how customers are viewing their products and what type of information, um, you, know, you know, they should be hearing from their customers that maybe they're not hearing through their own personal sort of outreach efforts. Um, we would love to share some of that in a way that would be valuable to organizations. So those are kind of the three things right now that I think we have available. We have tools and approaches to be able to do them um, and share them in a way that, that would um, add value to organizations. But it's, um, it's exciting to think about who, who could be your, your customer. Uh, we have amazing services and amazing data. I've got to just find out um in the middle of a pandemic, where does that fit, right?
0: So it's
1: it's, well, it's, well, that, it's a conversation.
0: That would be a good um, last question. And it's it's a big, roomy one, but but it's an interesting one. So you're thinking about HR tech, and you've got all of these companies, and they are basically focused on doing whatever it takes to keep the doors open. Yeah, is is the Data and usage and tool configuration that they had before um, Valentine's Day um, um, useful today, and how do you know?
1: Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a very relevant question, and we've been sort of asking that ourselves. Um, I think one of the answers to that is we um, because we do our research every year we have new data that people have been filling out for the last two months. So we have some insight into what changed in the last several months, right? And so I'll, you know, by October of this month, of this year, I'll be able to give some insight into the approach organizations took to COVID-19 management and some of the other crises that have been going on in the market, right? The, the, the social um, crisis, the, the Black Lives Matter, all those things, right? We can we take a little bit of a snapshot of what was going on at that time and compare that to the HR technology ecosystems that were in place. And we're hoping we'll be able to give a picture of what those organizations did or didn't do differently. You know, were you more or less likely to furlough, even if you were in, taint- in the entertainment business? Were you more or less likely um, to be looking for, um, you know, critical, you know, uh, workforces if you were all in the same sort of healthcare market, right? Um so so I think the answer is yes it, it would it will be valuable um, but I also am very aware that you know when you're in survival mode you know some of the things you just need to find out is I need to change my payroll maybe my payroll provider just wasn't able to to get the job done maybe they, they weren't able to help me make sure people were paid I need to now move to a cloud-based payroll provider Um You know, we're getting ready to probably, maybe, possibly head into a second wave. Um, I think it's probably maybe, if it is, we are heading into a second wave here, at least in the United States, of the pandemic crisis. Um, And we might have to have people work from home again who had already been sort of brought back to work. Um, If I didn't have a payroll provider who could do that job previously, I'm going to get one now. Um, We actually had just talked to, I just talked to three colleagues who said that they've sold more um, payroll and HRMS technologies this year than they had last year. So far in the last few months, um, and especially with the SMB side, for those those companies that were survive, who were able to survive, that was their, their number one issue. So yeah, I think the answer, the short answer is yes, is important. Whether or not our tools will be able to to meet their needs right at this moment, that that's a question that we have to figure out as a company. But I do think that people need the data right now.
0: So I wonder, and maybe you have an opinion about this. I've heard a lot that this is the best quarter that HR tech companies have had. Do you think yes. that's because they're, the, the customers are spending stimulus money?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, for the SMB market, I'd say yes. I'd say the SMB market is taking this as an opportunity to say, I'm, "I maybe have payroll covered, and there's some other things going on, so I can I can spend some of that." Um, for the mid-market and the, the large organizations, I think there were projects that were probably already paid for that now other things got put on hold. They were able to push those through quickly, more quickly, and, and they realized how much they needed the data. Um, I anticipate, and my data is showing that already, that we will not probably have as good of a end of the year as we've had this last couple months. I think that the end of the year will be a lot tighter both in projects and technology being purchased, because I think the immediate needs will have been met. The people who were desperate to get something will have gotten something. The money will run out for the stimulus. Um, It's going to be a rough end of the year. Yeah. No, that's my
0: perspective on it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, what a great conversation. Congratulations on the start of the new business.
1: Um, Thank you. We're really excited.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. What, what what a great addition to the landscape. So we will um, let's let's stop by having you reintroduce yourself and tell people how to get a hold of me so they can become your customers.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, again, I'm Stacy Harris. I'm the Chief Research Officer for Sapient Insights Group. Um, I uh, you can reach me at um, stacy s t a c e y at sapientinsights dot com. Um, You can uh, find us on the web at sapientinsights.com, and um, you can also uh, connect with me on LinkedIn at Stacey Harris on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, it's probably the easiest way to get a hold of us. And uh, yeah, even if you just have a question about what we might be able to do, happy to have a conversation. This is the perfect time for that kind of a conversation. So, and thanks, John, for giving me the opportunity to have. Um, a little bit of time to talk about it. The more we talk about it, the more, you know, I think we get an idea of, of how to better explain what we're doing. Um, you know, my biggest fear was that people would be concerned about the research that it would continue. And so my big message has been that the research will continue, but I'm also wanting to make sure that people know that there are other things that we can now do that we haven't been able to do in the past. So thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Well, that, that's great. And, and we will do some, um, um, work to have the rest of your colleagues on so they can disagree with whatever you've said. That's
1: perfect. We are four very strong-willed women. You, you might get that, yeah.
0: yeah well, I hope so. I, I hope so. That would mean that it's a healthy start. So thanks for taking yeah. the time to do this. You've been listening to HR Examiners Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Stacy Harris, our good friend, and one of the co-founders of Sapient Insights Group. Did I get that right? You got it right, yeah. Good. Well, thanks for doing this, Stacey, and thanks for listening in, everybody, and we will see you here back week, same bat time, same bat channel. Bye-bye now.
1: Thanks, everyone.